so we have here Adam Zarenko, the executive director of Albany County's Land Bank, um, who was featured in a recent article by Rose Schneider um, in the Altamont Enterprise Home and Real Estate section. Adam, Hi. welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, so first, can you give us um, just sort of the background on Albany County Land Bank, how it developed, um, what its mission is? Sure. So the Albany County Land Bank is a nonprofit organization that is essentially committed to stabilizing neighborhoods and strengthening communities across all of Albany County. So we cover all 530 square miles. We serve all 19 municipalities, everything from um, the buildings in Albany all the way to the hill towns, the suburbs, everything. We have properties in just about every municipality. We were established in uh, 2014. We're one of 20 New York State land banks, and we'll talk more about what that means, I think, in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. But we're essentially, um, we do a three-step process. We acquire, tax foreclose, vacant and abandoned real estate. We improve it and or eliminate the harm it's causing to the communities that it's located in, and then we responsibly dispose of it. So what that means is we don't just sell it to anyone. We want to make sure that there's we understand who's buying it, what they're going to do with it, and whatever they're planning on doing with it is going to support or help the community achieve a goal and happen. Okay. And so we have lots of ways of checking for that. Great. Um, and th so the land bank in Albany County covers, as you said, both urban and rural um, you know, land and homes. Mm -hmm. Is that typical of land banks? Um, I often think of them as, as in sort of urban neighborhoods, mm -hmm. um, but it, so is that typical? And do you do you treat the properties any differently? Is there any sort of so it uh, each land bank in New York State, which is kind of the third wave of land banks in the country, where the most modern kind of tranche of land banks, each one comes in different shapes and sizes. Mm -hmm. the, the founding municipality or government body gets to decide what their problem area is and then design their land bank accordingly. So Albany County, we were established in 2014 by the county uh, executive and county legislature. They realized that there's a prevalence of tax foreclosed vacant abandoned property everywhere in the county. Mm -hmm. So they decided to go countywide, which turned out to be a good idea because of the amount of different things we can do with a portfolio like that. Our friends in Troy have a land bank. They focus on just the city of Troy and they really focus on a couple blocks in the city of Troy right now. They're very small. Mm -hmm. And so the 20 land banks across New York state, um, a lot of them are countywide. There's one that's actually six counties merged together, Mohawk Valley. And, um, but generally countywide seems to be the average size, but they do come in different shapes and sizes. Okay. And so when you say third wave of land banks, yes. what, what does that mean? So, um, starting in like the sixties, seventies, there, there became a need, I think, identified for bridging the gap between what government can do, um, to address vacant buildings and what the private real estate market would pick up. So you think of places in, in, I think, Ohio was the first to establish land banks. They realized we need something to, in the toolbox that's a little different between what we have right now. So the first wave of land banks started in like the Midwest, Ohio area, and they're all countywide because I don't think Ohio has local government. It's just all county government from what I understand. So they started these land banks to address the issue. The second wave started, I think, in, um, I believe it was in Detroit and Baltimore, where they have tens and thousands of vacant buildings. They are kind of a, take a new take on what land banks were for those areas. And then New York in 2011, um, state legislation enabled the formation of land banks for the problem we're facing. And a lot of the problem in New York has come about from the 2008 
foreclosure crisis. Mm-hmm. So kind of like, what can we do to solve our problem today? And it's everywhere in the state, especially outside of New York City. Um, they thought land banks would be a good solution. So that's kind of how we are now called the modern land bank movement. We're kind of the newest kids in the block on the up for the land bank. Gotcha. And so how how do you how does the land bank discover properties? How does it acquire them? I mean, how, how do you find, you know, properties that would be available to you and then um, bring them into the process? So our land bank's fortunate because we have an awesome amount of support from Albany County. We get all of our properties, just about all of our properties conveyed to us from the county through the tax foreclosure process. So what that means is um, the county forecloses on properties for people on people who don't pay their taxes. Eventually, if you stop paying your property taxes, there's a, there's a law in place, a state law, they follow a prescribed process. And over several years, they'll foreclose on the property if you don't pay your property taxes. They used to auction those tax, those properties off to the highest bidder through a series of auctions each year. Now, the, most of the residential properties are conveyed to the land bank in batches based on the year the tax lien is foreclosed. Okay. So we have essentially a steady stream of properties, mm-hmm. which is um, advantageous for us compared to other land banks who have to go out and get each property. It's a lot harder to, to do that, their work because we still have to do steps two and three. They have to go do a lot of work around step one. Mm-hmm. And so bank foreclosures are a different animal. Yes. So the world of vacant and abandoned properties can be kind of divided into two high-level buckets. There's the tax foreclosed properties, and then there's the kind of zombie properties are called. Zombie properties are properties that can also be vacant and abandoned, but they're generally owned by someone. So they're privately owned either by a bank or a person. They can still be have been walked away from, but someone's paying the property taxes on them. And so in Albany County, what's the you know proportion of tax foreclosed versus I zombie do, properties? I don't know. I'm not sure if anyone really knows um, to a specific number. I, I will say that based on um, a project that just happened in Albany, Schenectady, Troy, called Breathing Lights, it was kind of a Bloomberg-funded art program. They did some data analysis. We think that uh, tax foreclosed vacant and abandoned properties are generally half or less of the pie. So I don't know if that would be applicable to the rest of the county, but it would probably be a good guessing point. Okay. And this, the art installation you were talking about was in, in sort of, uh, blighted neighborhoods, shining light on. Yeah. It was, uh, um, uh, a group of artists and historic preservationists were awarded a grant through the Bloomberg foundation for a million dollars, very competitive grant. There was like 260 applications throughout the country and only four areas were selected and the capital region came together. The three Mm -hmm. cities each have a very high concentration of of vacant and abandoned buildings. I think it's well over 2000 and they lit about two or 300 of them. And basically they had the lights breathe. So the buildings looked like they were starting to come back to life. Mm-hmm. to call attention to the scope and scale of the issue. And it was a pretty neat installation. Yeah. Um, and so since the county is now n- n- no longer or not as often doing the auctioning process for these homes, um, is there a difference in who's now buying them? I mean, are, is it now more families versus flippers? Or does the land bank um, have yes. a preference in, in who it sells to? Or? Yes. I don't. Um, I don't know who was receiving the properties from the auction, how they were falling. I just wasn't involved in that. I would imagine um, the highest bidders would sometimes and oftentimes be investors who were looking to make it into rental properties to get revenue out of the project. Um, I think from what I understand, the problem was 
a lot of those investors were buying it without a lot of vetting going into who was buying it and what the plan was. So they would squeeze any remaining value out of it, oftentimes let it go back into the tax foreclosure process, which would then end up putting them back on the auction. And the same properties, I understand, have been through a couple of times in some instances. We essentially break that cycle. Um, we have under state law a lot of powers uh, and discretion on who we can sell to and how we dispose of property. We don't always just sell to the highest offer. We try to strive to get the best outcome. And so how, how do you determine that? What So, so if people are looking to you know buy yep, a land bank yep. property, so, what can they expect? So one of the biggest benefits of the Albany County Land Bank uh, in terms of buying and giving a shot in the arm to these vacant abandoned properties to get back online is that under state law, the county is able to extinguish the back taxes and liens that the property was foreclosed for. So if you were to buy a property out of tax foreclosure, not from the land bank, you would have to pay back the back taxes and liens on that property. And oftentimes the amount owed on the property was more than the value of the property's worth, notwithstanding the investment you'd have to put in. Because all of these buildings are vacant and abandoned, have been for years, usually three to five years, but oftentimes upwards beyond 15 years. So they all need work. Um, we have a series of measures in place to make sure that that people are telling us who they are, what their plan is, um, what their financial capacity is, whether it be cash in the bank or they need grant assistance or whatever. We sell to everyone. We try to work with people who need the most assistance. Sometimes that means adjusting the offer price or getting more grants in place from other partners so they can be helped. Um, it goes through a, a three-step kind of multi-layered vetting process. Land bank staff doesn't decide who gets the property. We work on making sure the applications are complete. The people understand, that are buying understand the amount of investment needed. Basically, they're not set up to fail. I think we talked earlier um, about the prevalence of the flip shows, flipper shows. A lot of people underestimate the amount of effort, time, and money these properties need. Mm-hmm. We work with people one-on-one, really, to make sure that if you're a first-timer, you're not underestimating. Once we get a, an application complete, goes to a local community advisory committee in the city of Albany as a committee because of the number of properties we have made up of local residents from the neighborhoods we focus most of our work in, which are the most economically distressed neighborhoods in the county. And then it goes to a board subcommittee who then looks at the kind of dollars and cents of the deal and the outcome and the capacity of the person in terms of do they have experience doing this? Are they capable of doing it? Then it goes to a full board of directors vote, which is in, in accordance with our status as a New York State public authority, which is basically the state designation that gives us the tremendous amount of powers that we have to work deals, to negotiate outcomes, to work with municipalities, to have powers to do demolition and contracting. And we're basically a public corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how many people have you sold or has the land bank sold properties to since starting in 2014? So we have sold um, through closed and pending sales. And pending sales means the board is authorized to sale. Someone has gone through that entire process, has selected someone, but it hasn't closed yet. Um, about 150 properties in really just over three years, which if you... I've gone through our process, which takes time and people have to be patient with us. Sometimes it takes two months to go through the application and review and approval process, but to get a really good outcome and a higher likelihood of success. Um, it's a pretty significant number if you look at how we compare to the other land banks in the state. We're one of the top, you know, in terms of output, like responsible output of who we sell to. Okay. So do you have a sense now in just, you know, three years of, of you know, whether you've you know, what the outcome is like um, yeah. for these properties. Yeah, we we have, we basically, 
the way it's starting to fall is is we sell we've been working with basically about 20% of our buyers are uh, homeowners are going to be homeowners about 20% are looking to be rental investment properties whether that's owner occupied in a multifamily or just owning the building and renting it out um, a lot of our property sales are lots and not buildings about half our portfolio is vacant lots that we acquire so about that many of percentage of our sales are vacant lots and those can go to any uses a lot of those are just side lots to an adjacent property owner who can add to their yard and put the property back on the tax uh, tax rolls sometimes it's community gardens sometimes it's for whatever community use they need we try to support everything um, so yeah, it kind of runs the whole spectrum. Yeah. And then are there also commercial properties as well that are, we've received mm, a handful of commercial properties through the tax foreclosure process. A lot of them are, I think all of them have been mixed use, which means commercial, maybe on the ground floor and residential upstairs. I would say we probably had about five of those so far. Um, we just recently approved a sale in Bern. For one of those properties, it's going to go back online. One oh, on Central Ave. Do you know what the plan is for that? The for plan that is to rehab the building, which needs a significant, significant amount of work, and to put a local small business into it and kind of build out that town center. Um, do you know what kind of business is expected? I can't recall off the top of my head. Yeah. And it hasn't closed yet, so I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. <laughs> gotcha. But it was a locally owned business from a local business owner. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something we want to support. Obviously, we want to sell mm-hmm. to people that live in the areas that are buying. In the cities, we try to really use our powers and abilities to work on deals to create opportunities for people where they traditionally weren't opportunities to own homes because we can work with people more than just selling it on to the highest. They usually get out, you know, competitive. It gets very competitive. So um, we can hold off the people that are investors that have cash deals, cash in their pocket. They do this for a living and work with the first time home buyers or someone that's going from being a renter to purchasing a home and they want to remain in the neighborhood they lived in. So Mm -hmm. It's, it's pretty rewarding. Yeah. And so what about you? Do you do you live in a land bank home? No. Do you live in a, in a fixer-upper? I do. I I moved back to the town I was raised in, which is Del Mar. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife and I just bought our first home, and it is nothing close to the amount of rehab needed in our land bank properties. And it, But it's given me – it did require work. Um, it has given me a whole new take and appreciation on what a rehab project really is really really needs yeah uh it's a lot of work to own a home for the first time and we do a lot of first-time home buyer discussions and i feel like i learned from discussing first-time home buyer things with first-time home buyers and uh it's it's a journey <laughs> yeah um okay and what about so price for the price for the properties yes you mentioned i mean obviously you know the tax liens would contribute, but how, and, you know, property value, but how, how do you determine um, the asking price? So land bank properties fall into a couple buckets. Once we get them, we try to understand what's the best way to turn them from liabilities to assets. And that could mean financial assets that generate some revenue by a sale and go back online through a community member or we may not sell it. We may hold on to it and land bank it, which is kind of what we're designed to do. In the cities, especially Albany, we have um, clusters of properties. We're happening into the, over the waves of acquisitions, two, three, four, five parcels next to each other. And instead of selling the middle parcel without thinking strategically and losing that larger opportunity, we're holding on to it to try to do something that's not just a one-off sale, but more meaningful and transformative for the community. But we do sell a lot of properties just by one by one on the market. 
most of those are going to be priced or will be priced. Um, we don't go, we don't know what's in them until we acquire them from the county. So we kind of go in them once we buy them and see what's in there. And very rarely is it full of bricks of gold or something. A lot mm-hmm. of these need to be cleaned out or so we decide what to do with it. When we price them, we start with using our uh, real estate comps. We basically look at the type of the property. We do what the standard realtors do. We look at what is the type of the property, what is the size, the square footage, um, how many units, and then the past sales for similar comparable properties over the past six months in that geographic area. We then discount the property usually based on the condition of our real estate, which is never moving ready, and we acknowledge that. And that will be our asking price for some properties. Other properties will be for sale on the land bank website. They have no asking price. Sometimes that's intentional because uh, we've had the properties maybe for one or two years and there's not a big market for them. And we will be willing to work with anyone that has the right plan and ability to put it back online on price. So kind of make us an offer set up. And again, we can be flexible on price. Um, Sometimes governments have to take the highest price. I don't know if that was the case for Albany, but a lot of governments just have to go to the highest bidder for whatever their project. We don't have to do that. We can work with someone on the best outcome. So we work with nonprofits. We work with community members. We work with you name it. Um, people who want to do workforce development training, maybe teach people how to contract on the building, anything. So we try to take these things that no one really wants and do something bigger with them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting. Bring in sort of other groups and organizations, job training things. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, uh, the idea of sort of clustering properties Mm -hmm. in, you know, cities like Albany, you know, until you've, you know, got a group of them that you can do something with. Is there any sort of similar strategy that you use in rural areas? We don't have, we, the honest answer is we haven't really developed a strategy yet for our properties in the rural areas, just because we, up until the beginning of this year, we haven't had a whole bunch. Um, Around January, we acquired almost 50 properties outside the city of Albany. What what caused that to happen? It's just the way the county, the, the timing of the foreclosure, mm-hmm. the county treats properties in the city of Albany as like kind of one bucket of properties. And then outside the city of Albany is how, because of the volume, I think is how they treat them, mm-hmm. the way they foreclose on them in those kind of buckets. So, and then those, those tax liens become available to the land bank through a legislative process. And then we're able to acquire them. So it just happens that the, we call it the towns versus the Albany portfolio. Mm-hmm. The towns portfolio was made available to us through the legislature through tax foreclosure, and we acquire you know we acquire everything we can. We don't cherry pick properties. We're committed to addressing putting every single property back online, mm-hmm. no matter what. We don't just go after the quote unquote higher value ones. We take everything. Yeah, um, that's kind of the the commitment we have with the county. So for the rural areas. We're, we're actually this year through, um, we have an Amer- three AmeriCorps service members who have been with us for about five months and have a 10-month tour of duty. One of their roles is to think, help us think strategically about our real estate assets, and that's how we're getting in the clustering in the cities. Next thing on our list is looking at what can we do with the properties we have in the outlying areas, the, the rural areas. We have acres and acres of land, but, you know, is it buildable? Is it, is it development friendly? What can be built there? Does the town or municipality want it to be built? Uh, you know, that informs the value and what we would market it to. We just don't know everyone yet because it gets pretty technical pretty quickly. Uh, so we're going to be looking at those parcels, I think, over time mm-hmm. and also talking to the town leadership just to make sure that we're not. Whether or not know, development makes sense. Yeah, like mm-hmm. a 40 unit subdevelopment might not be appropriate. And we understand yeah. that and yeah. we want to do stuff that's in accordance with 
outcomes that the municipalities want to see. Yeah, I mean, and out out in you know the country, what about uh, like agriculture? Yeah, and you know yeah. agricultural lands. I mean, is that something that sort of plays into yeah. what you're what you're deciding to do? Yeah, I mean, we we have um, every under law and just good practice. Everything we acquire is available publicly on our website, and then we try to be very clear if it's for sale. Um, and then if it's a lot or a building or if it's currently not for sale or we haven't determined yet. So it's all online. M- much of the outlying rural area properties, I say outlying because we're based out of the city, but um, the, the Hilltown properties are online and available. And I think part of it's why I'm glad to be here today is I don't think a lot of people know that those properties are even available for sale because not a lot of people know about the land bank because we're very new and we're most you know, our biggest presence is in the city of Albany and Waterville and Cohoes. Very few people in the hill towns are driving by the one sign we have on the, you know, seven acre parcel. So I think creating more awareness is something we're also thinking about. Selling to preserve it as open space and agriculture is completely fine with us. I mean, we really don't have a preference. It's whatever the best outcome is. Um, and we will try to get value out of the property to make sure that folds back into our operation because, you know, the, the higher value sales and like the Loudonvilles and Bethlehems really help support our organization so we can do a lot more work in the very distressed neighborhoods at kind of a cross-subsidy model almost. Interesting. So we do look at the numbers um, and we do get competitive because more people are learning about the land bank in the past, especially this year. We've done a lot better job, I think, creating awareness we're getting a lot of multiple offer situations that are creating competitive, which is good for us, but also bad for us because that means some a lot of people aren't getting the property that they applied for. And, you know, it takes time to get to the finish line and then only to not get it. People understandably get upset with us and frustrated and just, you know, they have their heart set on it. We're trying to be very clear that if they're willing to stay with us and commit to working with us and have already gone through the process, we will continue to work with them to find a property that they want to see. Like whatever is important to them. We mm-hmm. try to figure out what do you want in a property? Is it the location? Is it the type of property? Is it the color of the building? Everyone has a different mm-hmm. uh, thing that's important to them. So, yeah. So we're excited about what we can do in, you know, the, the hill towns and stuff this year. If you guys have ideas, reach out to us. We're not, you know, we do actually, it is one of the missions of uh, one of the bullets of our core mission is we do want to use our real estate to support things that are desired locally. And the board of directors really takes that into consideration. So if there is, you know, a, a, a plan for the municipality or if there's an effort to preserve it as open space. And we will think about that when we're getting applications and weigh that very heavily because we don't want to do something that's not going to be supported. We, we want to be good neighbors. Great. All right. Well, thanks so much. I mean, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you think is uh, important? Or- no, I would just um, want to take the opportunity. First, thank you for having me. This is exciting. Absolutely. Um, thanks for coming. We appreciate you know support and coverage for um, this part of the county where you cover a lot of, of where we have real estate. Encourage people to check us out. Um, give us a call if you have questions or ideas or you want us to come meet you at a community meeting or something. <laughs> Talk about the land bank. We're always willing to, to do that. So Excellent. don't hesitate. Thanks very much. Thank you.